I was going to introduce myself as Scott Savage too, um, because I thought I'd get a, a round of ovation. Or, but I've already been confused with Scott. In fact, I was sitting right over here two weeks ago when he preached. If you were here, and my wife is the nursery director, Lindsay, and she came in on the second service. Scott had already preached once. She came in and she put her arm around Scott, and she leaned over to him. And I'm right behind. I'm right behind them. I'm thinking. Well, that's, that's a little weird, you know. And I, I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I won't say anything. Obviously, she has a message for him. But she leans in and she's looking she, and she tells him, I'm not going to be able to be in the second service. I don't, I'm thinking, what? But then she looks up to him and she, he's looking down at her and, and she's like, oh, you're not my husband. <laughs> so... I'm not Scott. My name is Jeff Noonan. I'm one of your elders. And uh, I really appreciate you allowing me to, to come and speak to you today. And there's a passage that's been on my heart for a few months because of work and because of play and whatnot. And that's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to talk about verses 18 through 20 today. And it's just two short verses, but it's really deep in the meaning and the message that Paul is trying to get across to Timothy. And so I'd like to read that to you this morning. We're going to dissect that a little bit. But what Paul is telling Timothy here in verse 18 and um, 19 is, he says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck, in regard to their faith. See, Paul is calling Timothy to have an awareness, a sensitivity to the fact that we fight a fight against Satan and the spiritual warfare that comes from Satan every day. And so he also is calling us uh, to that fact as well. He wants us to be sensitive and understand that our calling as Christian is to fight the good fight, fight a noble fight against Satan. In the first chapter, he speaks, and your, your uh, versions may, may have these, fight a good fight, fight a good warfare, fight a noble warfare. So in the beginning of this letter to Timothy, Paul tells him, look, you need to fight a good fight, fight the noble fight. He ends the same letter by telling Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. See, at this time when he writes this letter to, to Timothy, the church of Ephesus was going through a problem. The church of Ephesus had leaders that were bringing apart false doctrine. They were allowing the doctrine, the gospel of Christ, to be tainted and thwarted to, as you heard Tom a little bit ago, maybe some cheap grace. You know, they, they talked about, or they, they really enveloped this materialism in the church. And so Paul, after his first imprisonment, and, and he came back and he left Timothy at Ephesus when he visited Ephesus. And he said, Timothy, you have to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith and stand up. And it was no easy task for Timothy because he wasn't fighting against people like you and me, people that sitting and are listening to the gospel. He's fighting against those leaders who are supposed to be in charge and is supposed to be motivating you know, us to fight that fight. Us to hold fast in the truth. And that wasn't happening. 
So Paul left Timothy behind and says, you must fight this fight for us. Fight this fight for those new believers, those believers that are coming and growing in Christ and fight for that truth. And so that's what he fought, that's what uh, he wrote the letter for. And I want to encourage you. I'm not, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. You know, I'm an elder. And I, I hope that today I can motivate you a little bit with this passage and motivate you that when you leave here today, you're not going to be thinking about Jeff Noonan. You're going to be thinking about the fight that God has for us every single day. And that when you go to work tomorrow or where you go play, hopefully, you know, there's some retired folks in here and I'm hoping to get there. In fact, in August I can retire, but I got little ones and I don't think it'll ever happen. But when you leave here today and you go out this week, you remember that Satan is going to try to attack you in every way that he can to make you ineffective for the good news. And you have to fight that good fight and stand firm. And the only way to do that sometimes is with the truth and what the truth gives us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. I think we'd all agree that there's good and evil in this world. I woke up this morning and I turned on social media and I saw that we had another mass shooting down in Orlando. We have 20 that are dead, 40 in the hospital. It was at a nightclub. So over, overnight, we had somebody that went and attacked people again. And you're going to hear various things throughout the media uh, this week about why it happened, you know. And you're going to have some people that are going to be throwing out this hatred on the people that were attacked. The hatred on the people that did the attacking. So, as, as Christians, as people who live in this society, there's no doubt that there's good and evil in this world. You know, there's certain, there's certain evil that we would all agree on. You know, murder. Uh, thievery, adultery, things that attack our attitude every day and change us. There's other forms of evil that maybe aren't so clear, but have a form of evil, such as poverty, you know, world hunger, those types of things. There's a portion of that that we sense is evil, but we can't kind of wrap our mind around it. I'll tell you, two nights ago, I picked up my son from Prescott High School uh, they've been playing football games in Phoenix. My son plays cornerback and tailback for, for high school. I went and picked him up late night, so they were getting back like at 11 o'clock. And I took him to his grandparents' house, you know, and left him there, and I came home. On my way home, there were some other high school kids on one of the streets that I have to go down to get to my road. And they were out there. And it was pouring down rain. Do you guys remember the rain that came through? It was pouring down rain. Can't see anything. Well, they were out there throwing handfuls of large rocks at cars. My car got hit. You know, so it's frustrating sometimes what this world has to offer. But what I remember the most, and what I, I want you to remember as a, when you were a kid, and some of the stupid things that we did as kids, right? These poor kids had no idea what I did for a living. So as it hit my car, I'm thinking, what in the world was that? I go home. I look at the damage on my truck. I was like, okay, yeah, it was what I thought it was. I hop in my patrol car. (laughs) And I went and caught those kids, all of them. But what I'm saying is we have to remember that there's evil in this world. And what attacks us, what makes us do some of the things that we know we're not supposed to do. 
There's a host of things. And it infects our attitudes. So when I let this evil into my heart, sometimes it infects my attitude. I'm going to show you a video later, one of my favorite videos. And one of the quotes from the movie is, your attitude reflects the nature of your heart. If your attitude stinks, your heart probably stinks too. That's from Facing the Giants. We're going to watch a little bit of that later. How do you deal with good and evil when you see it at work? Good and evil, when you see it at work in you, how do you deal with that when it's at war within you? I believe when I get through life, I believe when I recognize the evil inside of me, I have to decide to deal with it. I have to make a conscious decision to recognize that evil and decide to do something about it. I think that's step one for me. I don't know about you, but I have to, I have to sit down and retrospectively decide what am I going to do. When I caught those two kids that had damaged my truck, I was angry. I was like, why in the world are you out here in a storm damaging people's cars as they're driving through a storm? They can barely see it as is. So I was starting to get frustrated and frustrated and I had them sitting on the roadside, right? And I had to remember, I remember this thought and it's probably the Holy Spirit talking to me. He says, you know what, Jeff? I remember a time when you were young where you did the same thing. I'm thinking to myself, okay. Yeah, but I was a little younger. I wasn't a high school kid, but I was a little younger. Sometimes we do stupid things and we decide to let that evil infect our heart. What Paul is talking about here with Timothy is this cosmic warfare, this spiritual warfare that's taking place every day against us. He's not talking about a physical war. He's not talking about the war that's raging in Afghanistan. He's talking about the spiritual warfare of Satan coming into our hearts, our minds, and attacking us every day. Greg Laurie had a, he gave, he gave a talk one time, if you like Greg Laurie, he talked about when he was a kid and he liked to collect snakes. And his mom wasn't real thrilled about that. But he'd get a cardboard box and he'd put these snakes, these garter snakes that he would catch in the box and put them in his room. The problem is he knew they had to breathe, so he'd poke holes in them all over, right? So the snakes slither through the hole. I look at that because that's how Satan is with our lives. We have holes in our psyche. We have holes in our hearts, holes in our attitudes, and we let Satan slither right in. And he attacks us and he starts to change us. You have to recognize that and decide to do something about it. We have to understand who our enemy is, do we not? We have to understand who Satan is. That Satan was a created being. Look with me at Luke chapter 14, verse 31. Even Jesus laid down a very obvious principle. In another context, but it relates to here, and I love it. Because we have to understand who's coming after us, right? So... Here's, here's Jesus. He says, what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? I remember in the first Gulf War, I remember hearing Schwarzkopf say, you know, the reason that ground war was so short, four or five days, was that they prepared. They prepared for every scenario. And they thought about what resource do we need to go out there and conquer Iraq. Jesus is saying, look, 
You need to understand who your enemy is. Even kings sit down and they say, what's it going to take for us to go after this, this other king? Can I really meet him with the, the resources that I have? I think that we, we need to do that. In other words, Jesus is saying, when we go to war, we need to understand the terms of the battle. And unless we understand the power of the enemy and how to approach that, we're going to fail. And sometimes we fail, fail miserably. But keep this in mind too. As we go along, Christ is always with us. The Holy Spirit is always with us, equipping us to go in day and day out. But I think God, as Christians, I look at myself and I, sometimes I think to myself, how can God use me as a leader if I'm truly a child of Christ, knowing what I know, how can he use me to help somebody else, to influence somebody else, to bring somebody else along in their spiritual warfare, in their spiritual battle? See, I've failed miserably at times, and I think that in those mistakes, if I can use those mistakes and help somebody else out, somebody that might not make the same mistake, that's what God wants. He wants me to be that leader. There's a speech that's given all across this nation. And it's a speech about true warriors. But I, and I have it posted in various substations around the sheriff's office when I was in charge of operations. But it's also a speech about looking for that one that is going to be fighting the noble fight. The one that can lead the others to stay on the righteous path. And I wanted to share it with you. It comes from Heraclitus. Heraclitus lived 500 years before Christ. And this is what he said. And you may have heard this before. And we, we preach this. You know, this is preached to the military and law enforcement and everything else. But I want you to think about it in terms of the spiritual warfare you're fighting and what God can do with you in that battle. But he says, out of every 100 men, 10 should not be there. 10 shouldn't be there. Nine are the real fighters. There's 80 that are just targets. Just targets. Now think of this. If you're a Christian... Does Satan look at you as just a target? Or does he look at you as one of the nine? The real fighters. He says nine are the real fighters and we are lucky to have them for they make the battle. Ah, but one. But one. One is a real warrior and he will bring the others home. I want to be that one. I want to be that one in my Christian walk. I want to live in this area. I want Satan to go, Jeff, man, that guy's a real fighter. That guy's a real fighter, and he wears me out. I want my brothers and sisters to look at me as the one. He's the one. He's the one that I need to go to because I'm struggling. That's what I think about when I read this. Where do you live? Should you even be in the battle? Are you a target? Do you live and are you a real fighter? Are you fighting for Christ and fighting for the good news every day? And then do your brothers and sisters think of you and look at you and go, ah, but he's the one. He's the one that we need to go to to win the war. Our search team searched for a year. We're bringing Scott Savage here because Scott Savage, we believe, is one of the one. 
He's one of the ones that we're going to look to and we're going to go, that guy is going to bring us into the next season so we can be powerful for Christ. Does that make sense? That is the attitude that I want to live with. But Paul is reminding Timothy that he's engaged in this war. And I want to remind each of you every day, you are engaged in the same war with that powerful enemy. You must do something about it. I believe God is looking to use you as a Christian, as that one real warrior. He will equip you to be one of the nine that fights and makes the battle. And then he will develop you to be the one. That's where we want to live. That's where we want to be. And that's why we get so frustrated every week when we get attacked and we fail and we're like, man, what am I doing? That's how I feel sometimes. When I looked at those kids on the side of the road two nights ago, I'm like, what are you guys doing? And I thought to myself, and Lindsay will tell you, all day yesterday I, I felt so bad for those two kids. I thought about calling Prescott Valley PD and dismissing everything. I just felt bad for them because I thought to myself, what leadership are those two kids getting in this life? I felt horrible. Evil has a name. His name is Satan. Look with me, if you will, and I don't have a slide for you, but look in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 11. Because sometimes we get a view of Satan that is not correct. If you watch, if you watch Hollywood and you watch the, the view of that Hollywood gives Satan, you see this red man with horns and a, you know, pitchfork, you know, holding a pitchfork, um, with his, you know, pitchfork tail and whatnot. That's not what Satan looks like. That's not what Satan was created. Satan is a created being. Satan is a created being. We forget that too. In Ezekiel chapter 28, starting with verse 11, see, God is using the prophet to chasten the king. But then he starts to look at what is really the problem there, emotionally and spiritually with the heart of this king. And so he starts to give a picture of Satan. And I just want to read to you real briefly. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 11. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And we could go on. That whole chapter, read that, and you'll get an understanding of who Satan is. But think about this. If Satan came through this door today, he wouldn't be dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork. He would be perfect in beauty. We would be looking at that and go, Whoa, we've never seen beauty like that before. Perfect in beauty. Perfect in his wisdom. That's what he was created for. Until he sinned and fell. Because he was so prideful. Adrian Rogers once said, Satan has no problem with worship. He wants you to worship. He just wants you to worship him. And so he attacks us over and over and over. And he wants to make us ineffective for Christ. That's where he attacks us. Understand where that comes from. And when we're engaged in this war, we are not wrestling with the physical. We are wrestling with flesh and blood. Not a human enemy, 
but principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. We are engaged with a supernatural enemy. Supernatural. Perfect in beauty. Full of wisdom. How would you like to be described like that? That's not how my wife describes me. (laughs) Right? We forget that. We fail. We stumble. We need God. We need the truth. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to battle Satan. We are engaged with a supernatural enemy. Never think that you can defeat Satan on your own. You can't. You won't. We need Christ. Paul understood this very well. One of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. How many of this does, does this fit you? Because it, it fits me. And I like to remind myself. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Another word, your, your version may say pummel. Pummel me. There's been given a thorn in my flesh to pummel me every day to keep me from exalting myself. To remind us, it's not about us. Right? It's not about us. Once we start to think that it's about us, we start to fail. We start to fail. Because you start to say, I too much. I can do this. I can battle that. I will fix this. That's where in my life I have to recognize the evil in my life and make a conscious decision to do something about it. And I have to decide to go to the Word. I have to decide to lean upon Christ. I have to decide to be in prayer about it. That's the decision that I make. Verse always encourages me. Always encourages me. If Paul can describe himself as the chief sinner who has a thorn in his flesh that constantly pummels him and torments him, prays to God to relieve it, and he says, no, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Keep pushing forward. You're like, man, okay. That's how I feel sometimes. No, Jeff, my grace is sufficient. Why don't you just try to lean upon me a little bit more? And I have to remind myself of that. Each day that we're here on this earth, we're going to be attacked. And we have to fight that noble warfare. Sometimes when we recognize that we're in the battle, we, we ask ourselves, and I, I've been this way, and I, I'm like this sometimes every week. Sometimes I sit there and I recognize that I'm in, in a battle, and I say, why bother? I'm exhausted. Why bother at all? I'm just done. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm exhausted. Right? When we engage in the fight, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, How's my conscience? How's my attitude? We inevitably go back to that. And when, I'm, when I start to talk about why bother, then I start to realize, how's my heart? Because I, I preach about heart all the time. You know, I preach about it in small groups sometimes. I preach about it at the academies, at the police academy, at the detention academy. I preach about it with my men who go out there and lead other men. You know, and sometimes I have to sit there and go, you know what, Jeff, what about your heart? Why bother? 
You have, you have this attitude, why bother? When we engage in the fight, we inevitably come to a point where we must evaluate our conscience. You have to do that introspective evaluation. See where you are. See where you're failing. I have to do that all the time. And I want to remind you, verse 19, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Keeping faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. See, when I start to evaluate my, my conscience, I start to think about my conscience as my compass. And my compass kind of leads me through the swamp of my sin. For you Navy guys in here, my brother's a Navy if he's watching. He's a, he's a Navy guy. That would be your rudder that gets you through a storm, right? And if your rudder is broke, you shipwreck. You crash. And I think that that's where those two kids are the other day. Nobody's really helping them with their compass in life. And it's, it's just like my life. I have to remind myself of that. I want to give you an illustration. I, some of you, many of you, your family probably fought in World War II. Lindsay's grandfather, my grandfather fought in the Battle of the Bulge. You know, D-Day's anniversary was last week. Did you know that? And so the Battle of the Bulge is the biggest battle the United States has have ever fought in. And there was this battle raging in the Ardennes Forest. And the U.S. forces were in full retreat. And the 82nd Airborne was assigned a task. They were told, you need to march into the Ardennes Forest. You have three missions. You need to stop the retreat of the American army. Then you need to organize them and hold the line. And then you need to make sure that the Germans don't pass by you. That's what the 82nd Airborne's mission was in the Battle of the Bulge. And so the 82nd Airborne, there was this private first class. And if you know anything about the Army, private first class is you graduate basic training, you're there for a couple months, and then you become private first class. So here's this new, brand new soldier fighting in the biggest battle the United States has ever been in. And he's digging a foxhole on the side of the road. His name is Private First Class Martin. He was in the 325th Paraglide Infantry Division. Now, how brave is that? Not only jump out of a plane with a parachute, but we're not going to give you a parachute this time. We're going to put you in a glider that's dumped from a plane with all your gear. No thanks. That's what he was in. So he's digging a foxhole one afternoon in the Ardennes Forest once they got there. They had to hike two days to get there. He's exhausted. And he sees his tank commander coming down the road. And he holds up his hand. He says, hey, buddy, you looking for a safe place to be? The tank commander, exhausted from battle, he says, I am. And Private First Class Martin says, park that thing right behind me. Because this is as far as they're going. And the tank commander did. That's what I think that our missions is. I think that we have the same mission. The same three missions. We need to hold the Christian retreat. Stop the retreat of our Christians, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to do that with encouragement and motivation and grace. And I think that's what Private First Class Martin was. He's like, hey buddy, you need a place to be? You need a safe place? Yeah, get behind me. We'll fight him and we'll hold the line right here together. That's the way we need to be with each other. Organize a mighty force. I think we do that really well here at Cornerstone. 
We have a missions that is, I think, on par with anybody. We take very seriously our work here in this community and abroad. And I hope going into this next season, we will. Look at what your small groups have done with the mission possible. I look at Stephanie out here, and it was amazing, Stephanie, what you guys did here in this auditorium. I think that we just, we need to keep that in mind as we move forward. Organize a mighty force and then hold the line. Just those three things. Think about that this week as you go out. What can you do for your brothers and sisters in Christ at work? What can you do for that person that God puts in play in front of you? Whether at the grocery store, whether at the school your kids go to, or if it's two kids sitting on the side of the road that just destroyed your truck. Does that make sense? Stop the Christian retreat. When I think about this, one thing comes to mind, and that's integrity. Where's our integrity? When you take from the world what you breathe out into the world and what you say and do based on what you believe, think and feel, all contribute to something we call integrity. I don't know where Pastor Tom is, but he told me and I told him he was going to be an illustration this morning because he told me about something that happened to him at work. He's being attacked by some of the other volunteers because he's a chaplain. He says, why? They say, why are you here? Why are you here? You're treated special because of what you do and what you are. You're not like the rest of us. And what I tell Tom is, is that's exactly why you're there. That is right there your purpose. It's because there's lost folks out there that need us. There's deputies out there that every day are going out there and putting their lives on the line. We protect them physically, but we forget about them spiritually. That is why he's there. He's holding the line. He's fighting the battle. He's one of the nine. He's one of the nine. Another quick illustration I'll give to you when I think about holding the line. In 1992, I was in the 5th Infantry, and I was assigned to a scout platoon in the 5th Special Forces out of the country. I was young. I was young. I had never been in battle before. Right? And so I'm in this five-man team. And one night, they, they alerted us. They alerted us. to the, There was a threat coming to our position that we were supposed to protect. And so they sent us out to set up an ambush. So we did that. We were very, very good at what we did. We were a scout platoon from the 5th Infantry. And we were very good at what we did. And I was scared to death. I remember sitting on this hillside, right? They were supposed to be coming up up this hill. And I remember sitting there, and I, I kid you not, and I still remember this so vividly, my heart was beating so hard, I could hear it in my ears. And I thought to myself, if you don't stop, they're going to hear you. <laughs> I, I, I remember that. I'm like, I've never experienced this before, but you're going to give away the position. Knock it off. Get yourself under control. We held the line that night. They never came. But I still remember that to this day. Get your heart, your attitude, and your mind under control. Fight the good fight 
and hold the line. I think in society as we go through, we need to remember that. And I want to share one last piece of scripture with you this morning before I share a a video. It's one of my favorite passages of all time. It's in the Old Testament. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. This is when Elijah, King Aram, is coming after Elijah because King Aram is tired of Elijah giving away his position. So King Aram sent a mighty army to go and get Elijah in a town called Dotham. And so Elijah wakes up one morning and his servant, Elijah's, um, his servant is kind of his study. He looks out and there's this mighty army surrounding Dotham and his servant freaks out. He's like me on the side of the hill. His heart's beating so, so hard he thinks he's going to have a heart attack. Elijah he prays this and he tells, he tells his servant this in 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 16. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Don't ever forget that once you come to Christ and you are a child of Christ, Christ says nothing will snatch you out of my hands. Nothing, no principalities, no power, nothing out there will snatch you out of my hands because you are mine. And I want you to remember when you're having a difficulty in this world and you're having difficulty in life and Satan is attacking you and maybe he's winning a little bit. Remember this verse and just realize that if the Holy Spirit is with you, if God is for you, remember what does it say? Who can be against you. God is for you, folks. God is for you in a mighty way. Don't give up. And think about your heart. If your attitude stinks, you might want to check your heart because your heart might stink too. And then think about the example. Are you being a leader? If your heart stinks and your attitude stinks, there's no way we can live as one of those nine and be the one Ah, but the one, the one that brings us home, the one that brings us back to our faith, the one that encourages us to go forward. So please watch this video. It's one of my favorites. I love that scene. So here's my question for you before I close this in prayer. Are you giving God your best? Are you giving him your absolute best? Or are you walking around with a defeatist attitude? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for assembling us here this morning on your day. A day that we may reflect on you and worship you. Father, we ask that through this week that you would make us a mighty warrior for you that we would fight the noble fight, that we would remember to reflect upon you, lean upon you, find time for you, and remember why we're here in the first place. Father, sometimes we need help with our infectious attitude, an attitude 
that doesn't portray the light as you would have. I pray, Lord, that today that we would be motivated, that you would motivate the men and women here, the men and women who call you Lord, and motivate those who may not call you Lord yet, those that need to make a decision to lean upon you, that need to call upon you to fill that void in their life. I would ask you, Lord, to do that for them here today. Father, make us that one, that one noble warrior that leads the rest and brings the rest home. Lord, I pray that when Satan looks at the men and women in this room, he realizes we have some mighty warriors and some real fighters for the gospel and the good news. I thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.